It's Robin Marshall, Sugar Mom. And while I am replaying the series Lemons to Lemonade for you about ovarian cancer and what I personally went through a couple years ago, I'm doing this for a couple of reasons. One is to just reinforce the fact that you cannot skip your physical. You can't skip going to the gynecologist. And if you feel something's wrong, go check it out. Don't ever let a doctor or your husband tell you you're PMSing. You're going through menopause. It's all bullshit. You listen to your body and you follow what your body tells you to do. That's number one. And number two, it's for my daughter who has breast cancer, stage two, and she's going through her second round of chemo at this point and beginning to lose her hair. She tried this cold cap, which they said to her, 90% chance of keeping your hair. It's called a digicap, I believe. And it looks like she may be in the 10% that it doesn't work on. And uh, she's a bit devastated. So if you've ever had cancer or been treated with chemo, you know that feeling. That first brush full of hair, when you look at it, it's almost like you lose a piece of your soul because you know there's more to come. You know it's not going to get any better. And then the next step in your way of thinking is, Let me picture the big picture. I'm going to live without my hair. I mean, it's tough, and I'm going to go home and see her next month, try and walk and talk her through a little more, and I hope from the bottom of my heart that she listens to this series. I kind of feel like she hasn't. (laughs) What kid wants to hear their parent ramble on about some kind of disease that they had, even though... The recordings are not sad and heartbreaking. They're more uplifting and humorous than anything else. But maybe one day, after I'm dead, she'll finally listen to the goddamn series. I call it Lemons to Lemonade. And I think we're up to episode four out of six. So sit back and whatever you're doing, do it while you listen. And the good news is, yes, I'm talking about my journey with ovarian cancer, but you know that I lived through it because here I am sharing the story. This is part four, a pre-recorded five series audio memory. The thing is, I can't end it with the fifth part because so much more has happened since then. I think the only reason I got through it as well as I did, is because I shared everything with everyone while living through or hoping to live through. And that's something I really wanted to let you know. If ever, God forbid, you are diagnosed with cancer, the worst thing you can do for yourself is to hold your emotions in. Stress feeds the cancer. So the more you let it out and the more you let go and the more you discuss with loved ones and friends and people you don't even know, the more you heal yourself, which is exactly what I did. It wasn't purely an entertainment factor that I was recording all of this or writing about all of this back then. This was also very selfishly done because I felt like I was healing myself from the inside out. So, let me continue and share once again, because quite honestly, 
I don't know if we ever really get over it. I think we're always in a state of mourning if we've lived through some debilitating disease because we're always afraid that other shoe is going to drop. But the goal is to hold on to that end of the rainbow that keeps you afloat. I don't necessarily need the pot of gold. I just need the vibrancy from that rainbow. The colors, they keep me going. They keep me alive. And so do you, because I'm able to talk to you and tell you and share and bear. By the way, if you're just tuning in now to part four of my story of having ovarian cancer, which I've called Lemons to Lemonade, you can download the first three for free on iTunes or Audioboom or Stitcher or any podcast platform that offers Sugar Mom. And on Tuesdays, I'm really just that other woman. You know, the one that likes to talk about passion and love and life and marriage and sex. This is the more serious me. The other me is the one that you never really know what's going to come out of her mouth. Either way, I always look forward to talking with you, sharing my thoughts, and seeing your responses and comments on the podcast pages. You can also go to my website, sugarmom.net. Leave a comment there if you'd rather. Or even better, if you want to talk to me privately, you can email me, robinmarshallsugarmom at gmail.com. That is just between you and me. Let's continue. It's part four. Lemons to Lemonade. December 14th, 2014. The more I know, the less I understand. I'm in a black hole. I don't know what's more important anymore, to preserve my life or fix those lives around me that I love as much or even more. I have no control over either, it seems. It seems like just yesterday that I was able to control something, but now all that mattered falls at angles I've never seen. Thus, I have no idea how to straighten them out. It's as if I'm in another world. The two people I spoke at length with the most on a daily basis almost feel as if they've disappeared off the planet, my planet, my mom and my best friend, who collectively have been in the hospital for the last four and a half months. My mom still can't talk due to a trach tube embedded in her neck while also attached to a ventilator and my best friend is too weak to carry on the way we did on the phone for hours at a time after suffering from a stroke. I'm lucky if he can offer a minute or two. It certainly has my head spinning in the opposite direction from where I began. In fact, I'm not sure where the beginning is anymore, pre-cancer or during cancer. We all got sick chronologically, so the world took on a different dimension for me. The part that is so disconcerting is that I have a potentially fatal disease and I was fully prepared to explain away to all that I can't help it. I didn't plan on it. 
I did nothing to deserve it. And if I die, please know that I love you and don't take it personally. My intent was and is to try like the Dickens to beat it. It seems easier to do when those you love are strong and supportive. But when they unexpectedly drop from their own illnesses that were unforeseen, what happens to the support team? Does it sound selfish that I feel so alone because of their now-you-see-me-now-you-don't similarities? I can't help it. Everyone told me ahead of time to make sure I had my support team during chemo. I did what I was told to do, and I leaned on them when needed. Did I lean too hard? I almost feel like the evil force that they came in contact with was because of my doing. Crazy as it sounds... They were mine. They were the ones that kept me afloat while I felt I was losing durability. That extra spin cycle in the wash that you use to make the clothes dry faster. Maybe I used them up by trying to get well faster, and they both got sick. It's the writer in me that allows myself to think in these ways. I'm not nuts, but I do allow my imagination to go into that overdrive cycle. It'll be the death of me. Not the cancer. For goodness sake, I still think there are alligators under my bed from when I was six. Many say to me, Wow, you're halfway through. Look how well you've done with your chemo. I smile as I think about those around me that are no longer around me. And silently, in my head, I try to explain, Yes, I'm halfway through with the easy half. I'm entering into the half I've not yet seen, all by myself, alone. The part that steals your eyebrows, lashes, energy, and will. This is the side of chemo that all other women I've spoken with that have had cancer and lived through it have experienced. This explains the knowing looks they give me when they've seen me with energy and filled with smiles. It explains the question my doctor keeps asking over and over. Any loss of feeling in your toes or fingers? Now I understand. This is the half of chemo that takes you by total surprise. The part that laughs at you when you think you know what to expect. I give. I admit. I don't know what's coming on a day-to-day -day basis. When the littlest changes occur... The things these other women knew that I didn't, I can't share it with my support team. They're now more sick than me. It's almost as if the cancer was so pissed off after being removed from my insides that it's retaliating by playing havoc with my loved ones. I want to race in front of it to face it and bitch slap it back into position Stay where you are, you filthy disease, and take your claws out of them. Work your powers on me, not them. No, I'm not a martyr at all. I'm just trying to understand the relevance of this poor timing on the people I love. I'm leaving on a jet plane. After spending the weekend with my mom while she's still in the hospital, wondering if I'll ever see her again, I was shocked into silence when I saw her after just two months prior, but I quickly regained my composure and listened to all she had to say, 
As she mouthed the words that couldn't be spoken, due to still relying on a ventilator, I lied when she asked how I was, because what mother wants to know that their child isn't holding up as well as they expected? And I told her stories to make her laugh and giggle, Robin stories, or as she calls them, Robbie stories, that are next to impossible for most to tell. It was so good to see her laugh. I showed her pictures of the kids, told her about work, about my friend, about my love life, until I ran out of things I thought would interest her. Then she looked at me and asked the question, Robbie, how are you? I was speechless. Oh, not again. Sidebar. I knew this was going to be tough to read, to recite, to remember. Oh, as I digress, I shrugged my shoulders, looked the other way as if distracted and said, Compared to you, Mom, I'm just fine. Can we please talk about getting you off these damned machines? When do we reach the age where we can finally fool our own moms? We thought we could when we were 16, but in our 50s, the fact that we still try is beyond comprehension. Do we ever grow up while we still have our parents? I think there's a part of us that remains on hold until they go. The cancer is still a part of my life, and lately, I feel the safest on the days when I go for chemo. I know it's being zapped. I know what my numbers are, and then I live from day to day until the following chemo session. I worry about what it'll be like when it's over. Now that's crazy. Please continue to say prayers for those I love and throw in one or two for you. You matter to me very, very much. My plane is about to land. Love, Robin. December 20th. It's a numbers game. This is a quickie. It's meant for every woman to see and every person that loves that woman to see. It's a gentle reminder before the new year to please don't ignore any symptoms that your body might be trying to tell you from migraines to unnecessary bleeding, to losing weight or feeling swollen. We know our bodies better than anyone, and I, for one, care about you, as do the people that love you. This is my chart for a test called CA-125. It measures the detection of cancer in your system, but it's also just an indicator that something is amiss. For instance, where you see the higher number... This just followed my surgery, and it was number 365. As my doctor explained to me, all your insides were stirred up, so we expect the number to go up higher. The norm is anywhere between 0 and 35. You think I was high? What I'm wanting you to see is the steady decline in that number, which shows that the chemo is working. I have a very positive attitude, and my wish for the new year is to keep that attitude, plus throw in my humor like a staple, as I do. My numbers have dropped to 139, and then 77, 
36, and I'm down to 22. The lower the number, the better. Never be afraid to write me if you have questions. You can reach me at realsugarmom at gmail.com. I actually think I'm going to beat this. Nothing up my sleeve. Presto. February 3rd, 2014. It's all about the red shoes. <laughs> I'm cleaning out my closet of life. All of a sudden, I'm realizing that the important things should stay and the non-relevant things should go. Clothes, files, friends, and so on have been looked at twice with intent on keeping only what really matters. Is it due to having an illness that has the capabilities of snuffing out my life? Maybe. We're not in Kansas anymore. I think I've figured that out. I think when faced with cancer or any other life-altering disease, we eventually break things down in our minds, souls, and hearts by way of a lifelike scale. Let's give everything a number. One, two, or three. If it's a one, it's a goner. Two deserves consideration, and three is a keeper. I'm down to bare bones with my number system, which is very telling. I either embraced too many for the wrong reasons, or didn't embrace enough because I was always rushing. Now, I look very closely at those I've kept and try to take better care. Things and people that are precious to you deserve that extra lovin'. I sat with my doctor and her two nurses last night as she chose to make me her last appointment. Why? We all laugh about the most unrelated topics while I'm in her office. I mentioned once before that one of my nurses in the hospital told me that he had his favorite patients and would save them for special times of the day so that he could have a lift. I guess it works the same with doctors. I never thought about a typical day from a nurse or doctor's point of view. Have you? I find myself aggravated if the doc is running late or doesn't have my chart memorized or the nurse doesn't know why they're drawing blood or that I hate shots. Now I get it. I've learned that there are certain patients that are draining to the medical staff. Patients they wish they didn't have. Patients they run out of patience with quickly. They also have their favorites, and I'm honored to know that I am one. I understood quickly that after seeing so much sickness in people with lousy attitudes every day, they need a break. Even if only for 15 minutes, they need someone who can make them laugh. They reminded me of my first visit, where she broke the news to me about having cancer and how I became very indignant to her and her nurse. I honestly didn't remember it until they reiterated certain things I'd said, things I could easily picture coming out of my mouth. I have no time for this. Is what you're saying at this point really relevant, or can I go? I don't understand one thing you've said to me. I want you to talk to my girlfriend, who's a doctor in New York. I'm calling her on my cell. Then she can tell it to me in real people talk. As I entered her number into my phone, yep, I could easily hear those strings of rudeness spewing from my lips. As belligerent as I'd been to them then is as close as we've all become. 
They're strong women, too, and understood that I'd been in shock. Strong women support strong women. We spoke of so many incidents that were so very important, where we each learned so much from the other. I easily said the words, Yeah, I felt the loving from you right after you almost killed me with your first issued round of chemo. Hell, you put me back in the hospital for nine days. My doctor, who's humble and sharp as a tack, said, I really thought you could handle the dose based on your daily routines and your fitness level. You shocked me as much as yourself by not being strong enough. How do you argue with a professional that tells it like it is? You don't. You learn to accept and appreciate. I find myself thinking about how much I'll miss them when I finish, and if maybe they'd want to go out and have a drink. As of right now, I drink only clear liquids based on her advice, including vodka. Some nights I'll even make a very healthy smoothie and throw a couple shots in the blender. Come on, you only live once. I wanted to mention the CA-125 number that I'd shown you the last time has dropped even lower to an 18. This means I'm trending low each week, which is a very good indicator that the chemo has worked. I felt free enough to ask her, since I continue to trend low, does this raise the odds of the cancer not coming back? Silence. I tried again from a different angle. I mean... The odds of it not coming back are 15 to 20 percent, so do you think I'll beat those odds based on my numbers? More silence. I looked. Sidebar. It's just amazing that there are certain parts of this blog, which is now podcast, that hit me like a ton of bricks. And other times I can read and remember and have no problems. This was one. I looked from her to the two nurses, and no one said a word until she offered, No, the statistics stay the same. But we want to do genetics testing, and you may fit into some sort of medical trial where they offer you new meds to beat your specific type of cancer. I felt like a tire that was running out of air. Never ask a question for which you're not prepared to hear the answer. It's the golden rule of sales, a rule I've grown up with, and I still asked the question. What could I have been thinking? So now, I have to prove her statistics wrong, and the bitch in me will. For those of you that are also going through any type of cancer, I have a Robin to-do list. They're little tips that can keep you looking and feeling more like you. I'm going to attach it as a PDF file wherever this podcast is posted. I've been given a finish date. If all goes according to plan, March 3rd is my last chemo injection. As exhilarated as I am to know it, is as frightened as I am to see what those next three months will show when I go back for that quarterly blood test. But just the fact that I don't have to have the meds or leave work or worry about reactions to the meds for three solid months is a blessing.
I'm excited to see what color my hair grows back as. They say it's always different. The week before last, my red count was a seven, which is dangerously low, with a normal count being 12 to 15. It's severely anemic, and the nurse couldn't understand how I'd been to the gym the night before without dropping over from exhaustion. My doctor was in surgery. My chemo nurse found a go-between nurse to ask if I could go through with the chemo. She said, no. I said, I want to talk to her nurse, not the go-between nurse. I want my chemo. She left the room and went on the hunt for my doctor's nurse. My doctor's nurse came in, sat down, and said to me, Do you know how much I dreaded coming to see you today because I had no makeup on? I said, Are you crazy? You're beautiful either way. Did you not work all day around people that saw you with no makeup? She said, Yeah, but you're a cancer patient and you have chemo every week. And yet you still come in here dressed to the nines, makeup and hair perfect. I just can't stand that I don't look like I should when you're here. Another miraculous moment of truth between doctors, nurses, and patients. I told her I loved her and thank you, but I wasn't leaving without having chemo. And what did I have to do to make that happen? She said, you have to have a blood transfusion tomorrow and you must promise to get it done. Why wouldn't I? We virtually shook on it. The next day, two more pints of blood were generously donated to me by the same two male nurses from the last time. One said, You gonna snore again today when we knock you out? I almost hit him. I said, I only snore when I'm on my back. He laughed out loud. Oh my God, I was so humiliated as I finished with, Give me a pillow that I can hug while lying on my side. An hour later, I heard, Robin, Robin, wake up. I woke uttering, I was not snoring. He said, turn over onto your back. Your blood pressure dropped to 64 over 32. Of course, my retort was, it serves you right for making me sleep on my side. I feel like I'm coming around the bend heading towards the end, holding my breath with each weekly lab result, just praying they won't stop me from having the treatment. To have no control over your own red-white counts is very frustrating. Each time I'm prevented from having the chemo, they tack it on the end. It's enough already. Now I'm waiting for the next set of numbers to come in. Talk about a roller coaster ride. One week my white count is crazy, the next week my red count is dropping to the floor, we're squeaking through to the end. I've got big circles on my calendar that show five more weeks. I'm almost there. I think I'll have a surprise blog at the end. Something that will make you laugh and hopefully bring you back for more blog reading. Or podcast listening in this case if I wind up outside of that 15 to 20% success group and must continue with chemo. I'll need to do something silly to hook you, just in case. I wanted to mention that my mom was just moved out of the ICU this week after three months and into a nursing home, but she's still on a ventilator, which leaves me unable to talk with her.
I'm also not permitted to go see her because the flu is running rampant in Pittsburgh. It's a difficult time for sure. And finally, my best friend who was hospitalized eight weeks ago after suffering from a stroke is out and doing so much better. Still has a long way to go, but he's made it. He's so freaking determined to be Superman, and I admire his tenacity. I'm glad to have him back, and it didn't hurt that I let him borrow my cape. I told you he wouldn't care if it was pink. It's true. Real men do wear pink, and they like it. Love to you all. February 15th, 2015, Dallas, Texas. It ain't over till the fat lady sings. She's singing. My doctor has admitted I'm one of a kind, meaning she's never had a patient whose numbers have been the equivalent to a wooden roller coaster where you hear the sound of the rickety rick as it climbs to the peak and shoots straight down to the bottom without hope that you'll survive that drop. And of course, then there's the subject of my personality. <laughs> She admitted to me that most women can't handle six months worth of weekly taxol, let alone work and travel at the same time. I didn't know that. I just remember my girlfriend, Jane, who had stage four cancer, and she'd have her IV pole at work while being the GM of a radio station. I thought that was remarkable, and I tried to model myself after her. Each week I've gone in for the entire six months, it's been a crapshoot. My white count is so low they can't give me chemo, or my red count is so low that I need a blood transfusion. I wonder how many people really are a part of my makeup at this point. All that blood from generous strangers. I wonder if it changed my personality. Obviously not. I'm still a bit crazy. Unless they pulled from the crazy blood bank. A perfect example is, I went to South Carolina to see my kids last week. Had a great time until I woke up Sunday to a fever of 103.5. I know. You're all picturing what radio frequency is in your market with that number. I'm not the only nutty one. I, too, remembered working for the Apple in New York City, 103.5, thinking, oh, so it all comes around, finally. Here it is. Three weeks left to go, which includes four treatments of chemo. My mom has been in and out of the ICU for the last five months. I've seen her twice, which is the only way I've been able to talk with her since she's trached and on a ventilator. I was able to read her lips. Now I'm getting calls from the doctor saying it doesn't look good. She'll never come off the vent. And she's slipping into delirium. Can I come? I've been forbidden to enter the ICU while my counts have been all over the map, which caused me to go to my doctor and ask for advice. She said, Robin, your platelets are too low for chemo as of today. Your body is at the point where we don't think you'll be able to handle chemo on a weekly basis anymore. We can't afford to keep missing weeks due to your counts being inconsistent. I never even saw what was coming. All I knew was that this was going to be the hardest three weeks of my life, body tolerance-wise, and trying to get to my mom in time. 
she said. Come back on Monday for labs again, and let's see if the platelets are higher. And if so, we're going to give you the entire cycle in one sitting. Four doses of chemo, which will take about six hours, and then you're done. I started to cry. Happy tears. All those moments of tearing quietly just broke loose. After regaining my composure, please picture my mouth hanging open as I said, Can I die from this? She said, As long as you don't hide the fact that you have a fever from me again, no, I don't think so. I tried to explain that I knew if I called her with that fever, she'd have insisted I go to the emergency room in Charlotte, and I would have gotten stuck there while knowing I still had a shot of chemo the next day. I told her I called my girlfriend Arlene instead. Remember Arlene? She's up there in ranking with her. In fact, they did their residencies together. She looked up in the air while shaking her head and said... And what did Arlene say? I said, she said, you're not going to die between today and tonight. Rest, get on the plane, and go to your doc tomorrow. Now my doctor is looking down, shaking her head, and said, I'm glad Arlene is your friend. And I also know that no matter who you spoke with, you'd still not have gone to the ER. I answered, I'm here, aren't I? My temperature, while less than 24 hours ago, has dropped to 97.4. Can I have my chemo? The answer was yes, and a blood transfusion the next day. So here I am, after all that, on a Sunday, waiting to find out if my numbers will shock the world yet again tomorrow, with platelets coming up, so that I can be done. If not tomorrow... They'll test me every other day this week, and the minute I'm safe, the chemos will enter my system. I had the sense to ask her finally, and how will having four chemos injected at once make me feel? She said, day four, five, and six, you'll feel like a truck ran over you. I wanted to know if that same truck would back up over me, and her response was, it's quite possible it'll feel like that. I said, what kind of truck? Okay, there you have it. Next week should be it. Not knowing which day is going to be the hard part until the hard part. If at some point next week you don't hear from me on Facebook or here on my blog, you'll know I'm going through hell to get to heaven. Heaven being alive and well. Cross your fingers, toes, whatever's long enough to cross. Just do it, please. I've so had it. Love to you all. Robin. November 1st, 2014. This truth was one of the hardest things I have ever told. It took nerves of steel to write this blog series. To just make that announcement, Robin Marshall has cancer. There, I said it. You'll never know how frightened I was to share that news. I thought, it's better that people hear it from me and not let it get all twisted up in a gossipy form from others. After telling my kids about it, I thought, 
how will my kids react when they read this? I thought, how will my kids react when they read this? Other questions that penetrated my brain, like, how will my employers react? My coworkers? What happens to my book that I just released? Will my PR staff stay with me and ride out this storm? Will I even survive the operation? Will they get all the cancer? What will the chemo really do to me? And will I be able to bounce back to the woman I was? The woman I was so comfortable being? I mean, it took me over 50 years to finally become her. I'm so happy that I did come forward for so many reasons. I've learned who my true friends are. Without even having to ask, they came forward, arms open with words of encouragement and offers of help. Facebook friends that I've met at conventions or just online have done nothing but be supportive by reading, applauding my baby steps, and offering a high five when necessary. My kids have read along and have seen the value of telling the truth. They understand that truths are worth sharing and can travel quite the distance, like miles and miles of virtue, just waiting to be followed, the perfect pathway. After two years of living in Dallas, I've finally found the time to bring one child at a time to visit me. So far, two out of the five have come, and I've learned so much about them from that much-needed one-on-one time that we seem to lose sight of as they grow up. I left them behind to support them while moving to a strange city, and at times I was the one that felt so abandoned. Losing connection with your children is like losing a limb. We all get caught up in the whys of life, and I'm now dedicated to making sure the other three get here too. My son arrives in a couple of weeks, and the other two are fighting over who gets to come next. They want to take care of me. Never in my life did I ever think my children would be the ones to take care of me. My eldest sat by me during the first round of chemo and never complained as I was sick. We talked and talked about life and its many surprises, one of them being an observation by me. She'd become a woman of substance. I think she's a better daughter than I was to my own mom. I was really in awe. My middle child came next, and once again, we discussed things that normally would be lost in the middle of a seven-member family. Important things that matter to her. Things I don't know. Things she was afraid to tell me for fear I'd be disappointed in the choices of where she wanted her life to wind up. The fact that I didn't know she doubted my love or my flexibility to ride with her decisions was a total eye-opener for me. By just being able to offer advice that she willingly listened to, then seeing her exhale when she understood that I'd be by her side no matter what, was yet another huge step in my journey towards the truth. I can't wait to see what the other three will offer me in life lessons. My eldest and I flew to Pittsburgh to see my mom, who'd been in the hospital for most of my initial cancer recovery period. It was the first time I was able to make that trip, and as the three of us sat in the hospital room, me being in the middle, my mom only being able to talk by mouthing words and using her hands to write due to the trach tube installed, I watched her lips, looked at my daughter's eyes, wondering why they weren't rolling anymore as they used to do with me. 
and then we both proceeded to get yelled at by a woman who can't talk. My mom told me to shut up, and to my daughter she said, I asked you to turn up the thermostat by two degrees, not three. Go fix it. I sat between the generations of attitude and pictured that apple tree. <laughs> wow. I hope I'm around long enough to see the apples that fall from my children's branches. I found that as frightening as the beginning stages had been, as I told the story of my journey, I was able to accomplish something on a less personal level so far, but an even grander scale, which is to raise the alert for other women, their spouses, and their children to take note of signs or lack thereof for ovarian cancer. It's a disease that can't be seen. The only proactive medical steps are to pay attention to your body and to not shy away from things that aren't feeling as they should. The payoff. As a result of writing this blog, beginning in August 2014 till today, I've had nine women write to me thanking me for opening their eyes. Three needed a hysterectomy. Three have detected some kind of cancer and they caught it early on. And the others are still waiting for their doctor's reports. I am no saint. Just frightened, feeling the need to vent, explain, cry, and lean. But this outcome of knowing I've been able to help this far makes me understand that all the fear in the world, along with that empty pit in my stomach that caused me anxiety and palpitations while telling this story, is worth it. If one woman can write this story and change the lives of nine other women, imagine how many lives we can change together by you forwarding this blog or podcast, in this case, to every other woman or man who loves a woman that you know. Make the difference. There are over 15,000 of you that have read this blog. I don't know how many are listening. But if every one of you forwarded it to five people that you care about, that's 75,000 potential lives that can be made aware of or even saved. My mom calls it teamwork. Oddly enough, so do I. It's those damn apples. And now you've seen how far I went. And there's still so much distance to cover. I hope that you'll stay with me. And if you've missed the first three episodes, download them. It's all free. And it's all so worth it. Because, dude, if you're listening, you can help save your wife's life. And darling, my girlfriend, you need to be proactive and go to the doctor and just have your physical. What could it hurt? So you use your lunch hour. Instead of having lunch, you go to the doctor. I'd love for you to let me know the results. Let me know you're okay. Just write to me right there on the comments section of the podcast platform, whichever one you're listening to. Hey, Robin. Hey, Sugar Mom. I'm okay. And thank you for pointing me in that direction. It'll make me feel like a million bucks. See, I told you, it doesn't take a lot to make me happy. I just want to know you're safe. Next Thursday, 
is supposedly the last episode, but I know myself well enough. There have been two and a half years in between then and now, and you won't believe what happened in between that time. You'll just have to tune in and listen. And still, it's like I'm giving the ending away. You know I'm alive, but you just don't know what I went through to get here. And we never know how long we'll last. So, until then, make sure you listen on Tuesdays, because that's the sexy seduction part that we talk about. We all need that. I'll make sure to fulfill that part of my obligation as well, because it's not really an obligation. It's just a hell of a lot of fun. <laughs> it's Robin Marshall, Sugar Mom. I love you for listening. Also, if you've missed anything, download it. It's free. And you could go to my website and pick up my book, The Diary of a Sugar Mom. It's a hot, stimulating, introspective read. Something you'll never forget. And the book will make you wonder, could I possibly have done what her character did? You'll just have to read it and see for yourself. And if you'd like to listen to it for free, it's right there on iTunes. Just go chapter by chapter. It's called The Diary of a Sugar Mom. And you'll see I numbered them to make it easy for you to follow along. Everything is free. It's at sugarmom.net. Wait till you hear this bargain. If you email me at robinmarshallsugarmom at gmail.com, tell me what you think, if you're enjoying or if it means something to you, whether it's Lemons to Lemonade or the book that I've pre-recorded and turned into an audiobook segmented or the Sugar Mom podcast, which is just loads of fun. Send me your email and your t-shirt size, and I'll send you a t-shirt for free. A Sugar Mom t-shirt. And they're not just stamped. They're embroidered. I have the stamped ones, too. But, I mean, just tell me which kind you like. Embroidery or that shiny stamp. One is a t-shirt and one is a spaghetti strap. Just let me know. I'll talk to you next time. Have a good night. Love you, Robin Marshall, Sugar Mom.